God said, I'm going to be a father to the fatherless. We have the honor to be the fulfillment of his promise to these kids. We can do this. We can eradicate foster care if we'll simply make room. Recently, our co-host and CityServe co-founder, Dave Donaldson, along with CityServe co-founder, Wendell Vinson, were guests on the Dr. James Dobson Family Talk program. They were interviewed by Dr. Tim Clinton. During the Family Talk segment, they discussed the crisis surrounding foster care and adoption and how the church can be the solution to this cultural challenge. Don't miss this important discussion as they share from their hearts and how we can help the least of these in our culture and society. We're going to listen to the replay of this interview, and let's do that together. Dave and Wendell, welcome back. What a delightful conversation yesterday. Can't wait to get into this story side of this vision, but welcome back. Thank you. It's good to be back. As we get started, um, I found it fascinating that, again, the heart of what you're doing is taking neighborhoods to the nations. But this vision started here in the United States. And this Farmers to Family program we talked a lot about yesterday, a powerful initiative, taking food. A lot of food in this country is wasted. I think about 40% of our food actually goes wasted. Is that right? Yeah, the amount of food that is wasted every day would fill the Rose Bowl. It's unbelievable. And what you're doing is you're, you're, you've got a channel and you're using the local church to be a distribution arm and to take that to people who desperately need it. And there are a lot of people who are hungry yeah. in our own country. There are. In the midst of it, you all got involved also in Operation Border Blessing. Uh, I have been down that way. And we all hear the conversations about the open borders and the nightmare that's taking place on our borders. And there's a lot of brokenness down there. Take us there. Tell us why you got involved. I got involved, uh, Pastor Paula White and Todd Lamphere, uh, two mutual friends of ours, and they said, you've got to see what's happening there. I went down and I was deeply moved, first of all, by these heroes, the Border Patrol, and how they're being villainized, them and their families. One Border Patrolman, he said to me, I don't even wear my uniform to work. I don't even want my neighbors to know what I do. So here they are protecting our borders or serving people on both sides of the border. And so we made a decision that we were going to jump in and we're going to honor them. Uh, we are also going to provide them uh, with food, toys, school supplies. Uh, but at the same time, uh, we are helping the churches as part of our model uh, to provide other products. Uh, to these families that are in desperate need. And so it's a combination of honoring, serving the Border Patrol, but also helping these families, in many cases, that have lost everything. Dave, uh, take us down there. I mean, what did you see? What were some of the stories, maybe experiences that you had down there? Because this has turned into a real passion of yours. Well, on the other side of the border, the Mexico side of the border, uh, it's heart-wrenching. Uh, you have families, as I mentioned, that have given up everything. I have three daughters, and so you have young women uh, that have tried to launch out on their own, uh, walking, uh, in some cases, two to 300 miles 
they have so-called safe houses, which are more like haunted houses uh, for young women. And so they're there, they're, they're beat up, uh, they've been deeply wounded and harmed. Uh, so we have steered them to these churches that wrap their arms around them. Obviously, they're pleading uh, to cross the border into America where they can be safe. Uh, they, they love America. Uh, they see America, you know, as that city on a hill. And then on the other side of the border, uh, you have these heroes of Border Patrol doing their best uh, to not only uh, protect the borders from people streaming over illegally, but also, you know, the drugs, you know, the amount of drugs that are pouring into our country. And so it's overwhelming. It's absolutely overwhelming. It is a tsunami of need and desperation. But that's why the church is on both sides of the border. This is a mission without borders. You have the church on the Mexico side that is serving. And then our churches, you know, right there on the other side of the border, like in McKellen, Texas, that are doing an awesome job as well. So out on the front lines, trying to be the hands and feet of Jesus. Absolutely. You know, Mother Teresa said, I follow Jesus and Jesus led me to the poor. And that's what we're doing on the border. Wanted to ask you, Wendell, um, in terms of overall mission, when you start thinking about these projects that you're involved in, keeping the main thing, the main thing can be challenging at times, especially when you start with a lot of the busyness of the management and different things that are going on. And sometimes you can get lost in just the, the brokenness. You know, that you can kind of get jaded, if you will, a little bit by everything that's going on. How do you keep those priorities right? You know, it's, it's really um, amazing how God's given us a very clear template in Scripture of the people that he's called us to, the widow, the orphan, the prisoner, the vulnerable, the exploited, the least of the these. least of these. Jesus did in Matthew 25. Isaiah the prophet talks about Isaiah 58 and others. Jeremiah talks about it. Amos talks about it. Much of the Old Testament prophets were talking about justice and advocating for those who are, can't speak up for themselves, being a voice for those who can't be a voice for themselves. So uh, there's a mandate there for the church. Jesus said, when you do it to the least of these, you have done it unto me. I would just say that I... I, I have found that when people get close to hurting people, uh, you never feel more close to Jesus than when you're putting yourself in a place where people are hurting or people are in need. And I think in those moments, the just the sense of, you know, Scripture says that the joy of the Lord is our strength. And the sense of God's joy over his church. Isaiah 58 says that the church will be known, will be known as the rebuilder of cities people who repair brokenness and many of you know sin itself failed policy lots of things contribute to the brokenness of our society but the church and Jesus through his church is the answer it's the only answer everything else Tim is a band-aid if the gospel and the good news of Jesus Christ isn't part of the solution we're just putting a band-aid on the problem 
But when we get close to people, care for them, proclaim the gospel, the gospel elevates people. The gospel transforms people. It changes their hearts and their minds. And, you know, you don't have to see very many victories to, be, to have renewed hope. What causes us to lose and what causes many times compassion fatigue, in my opinion, you know, Proverbs says that um, hope deferred maketh our heart sick. And I think many times when we don't see the victories or people come out the other side, having been changed and transformed, we can lose hope too. But when you get up close to people and you begin to see them change and transform, that's why the power of testimony is such an incredible thing. When you hear somebody's testimony, you can listen to testimonies all day long because when you hear the stories of transformed lives, it is fuel to us as believers. You know what I find fascinating is that when you give of yourself, maybe it's just sending a text message to someone. Maybe it's just putting an arm around somebody. Maybe it is just sliding a $5 bill in somebody's hand or something and saying, I'm here with you. That the message that comes back, by the way, is that you have value, that you have a place, that God has something for you. When I was in college, Jack Wurtson, who used to head up Word of Life, Scroon Lake, New York, came to Liberty University to speak. And in the midst of his address, he looked at all of us. I wrote these words down. He said, God has no greater plan than to use people like you and me mm. as vessels through which he channels his message of hope to other people. Amen. See, it really is true. It's not about us. It's about what God's doing in and through us to draw people to himself. Second Corinthians 1, 3, and 4. He's the father of mercies, the God of all comfort who Amen. comforts us so that we in turn can comfort others. See, it doesn't start there with comforts us. That's right. So that we in turn can comfort others with the comfort we ourselves are comforted by God. Amen. That's soul care ministry. Amen. And when we do that, we expose them to him. Now we know the rest of the story. Amen. See, it's that piece that motivates me, that puts energy and skip in my walk. And so the question is, what can I do? How can I serve? And let's go back to the mission of CityServe again. I'm going to read this again. CityServe trains, equips, and mobilizes the local church. We're talking a lot about the local church. To live out the gospel of Jesus Christ in its community through compassion. I'm going to come back. Here's your opportunity. Because people are looking for an opportunity to make a difference. Tell us again what it is they could do, maybe through what you do. Well, there's opportunity for every person, every believer, every church to engage in the brokenness around them. Many times people think that the big social ills of our day are too big, but they're not too big. The church is the answer. And so we want to encourage every church and every individual to say, I'm going to today start. I'm going to take some steps toward being with someone, making that journey with someone toward wholeness. I'm going to engage in some way. Certainly CityServe stands ready to help churches and individuals in their community. But just start in their community, serving the hurting, serving the broken, serving those in need. Like the social ill, uh, a challenge of uh, foster care and adoption that Dave just mentioned, people sometimes think, well, it's just too big. How can we ever fix this? In reality, Tim, the stats are that if one church in a community 
one out of every four churches would just highlight the need for foster care and adoption. And if only one person out of that one out of four churches raised their hand and said, I will step into that need, that that need, every single adoptable child in America could be raised in a Christian home today. If just one person, one church, and if only one person out of one out of four churches raised their hand and said that I'll, I'll step into that, it would be met. Every child in that adoption system would be in a Christian home. And you know, when you think about all the social ills, so many of them flow out of the breakdown of family in, in all of our other systems in America that flows out of just fatherlessness. And the church has an opportunity to start and to make a difference that will have an eternal impact. Will CityServe tell me how to do that? Will they come alongside of us? Yeah, in addition to uh, the gifts and kind, all the home furnishings, school supplies that we're distributing through our warehouse hubs to pods to local churches, we have 10 initiatives. And one of those is foster care and adoption. And as Wendell uh, so well put, it's a key to you being blessable. And you think about it, Tim. God said, I'm going to be a father to the fatherless. We have the honor to be the fulfillment of his promise to these kids. Wow, what an opportunity. And I, that's why I like to say I'm a possibilitarian. <laughs> we can do this. We can eradicate foster care if we'll simply make room. Now, there are some families that would say, I can't take in you know, a boy or girl into my home you know, in foster care or what we like to call forever family, but you can provide respite you know, a break on weekends. I got to tell you, our daughter, when we had to leave town, she would go into other foster homes. And what I saw in those other homes would break everybody's heart. I mean, one home, this lady had three foster kids and she had locks on the refrigerator, the cabinets, uh, these kids, you know, she wasn't cleaning them up. And she joked, there are truck payment. When our daughter was dropped off at our house, she was dropped off like a FedEx package. So we're believing we've got 480,000 kids in the system. We're believing now with the reversal of Roe v. Wade that no telling how many more are going to enter uh, the foster care system. And there are those who would say, well, that's why we should keep Roe v. Wade because we don't want to fill the system with more kids in a system that many describe as a virtual graveyard for these kids. But when all that's said, we got the church. If the church will rise up, wrap our arms around these kids, take them in as foster parents, adoptive parents, provide respite, there are many things that you can do to help these foster families. Let me make sure I have this right. 480,000 kids in foster care. Yes. About 25,000 of them age out every year. Sure. And I mean, they're looking for anything, yeah. anyone to help step into their life. And the church needs to be there. So much opportunity. It's just absolutely unlimited opportunity, Tim, to make a difference, not only in society, but in that child's life. And even, you know, as they age out, can you imagine not having a sense of family, 
not having people to go to. And uh, my, my children are both adults. They call me all the time looking for help, looking for encouragement, talking through life. But can you imagine not having anyone in your life that you could pick up the phone and be like a mom and dad to you? That's a need the church could meet today, Tim. We can meet that need today. The church has to do that very yep. thing. And Tim, you know, our daughter came to us out of foster care when she was 16, and I described her. I mean, she was broken, abused, neglected. She had her hands crossed over her face. She was so scared. I cannot imagine two years from that point her aging out of the system and just being out there. And I got to tell you, and I got to tell your listeners that there were predators that were trying to entrap her and lure her away from us. And we stepped in, we had to call police, we had to enforce stalking laws. And if we have any notion that these kids are just somehow out there in limbo, uh, we're missing it. The enemy seeks to rob, steal, and destroy these kids. We must rise up, bring them into our homes, rescue them, disciple them, and they will be agents of truth, and they'll be the foster parents and the forever families like our daughter dreams to be. I can't help but believe that there are people listening right now who'd be willing to do that very thing. We pray, God, Amen. that that would be true. God, help us. Amen. Help them. It's obvious that God's got his hand on CityServe. Where, where do you see CityServe going? I mean, the next year or two or five years from now. Thank you, Tim. We believe that just in a matter of a few years, we'll see CityServe at work in every state here in America. And when we launch in a state, that state really has ownership of CityServe in their state. It's a movement, really. And we are more catalyst than anything else seeing churches begin to partner together, work together, developing that capacity nationwide to help churches begin to step into the need in their community. And as we saw with the pandemic, God used that as a catalyst uh, to stretch out uh, city serves borders. Uh, we are now in Canada. Uh, we're about to launch in Costa Rica and through the war in Ukraine, we now have city serve Europe. And so uh, we're serving Poland, Romania, uh, but also uh, churches, as we've shared, all over uh, Ukraine. So where we see this going, it's going to remain about Jesus. It's yeah. not going to be about any personality except him and about his church. $540 million gift in kind work going on just this last year on a budget that, by the way, is only about a tenth of that. It's staggering. I think that's, that's rooted in that passion that God's put in both of your hearts. And I know this, may God continue to expand those borders. Amen. And may uh, the people rejoice at who he is, who God is, because of the good work of City Sir. Uh, we salute you and pray that God would continue to bless and direct your efforts, especially for such a time as this. Amen. This is a dark hour but you guys bring a lot of light. On behalf of Dr. Dobson, his entire team here at Family Talk, his wife Shirley, and so many more, again, we uh, salute the good work that God's doing in and through you. And may he continue to do just that. Thank you both for joining us. Thank you, Tim. Our joy.
We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Influencers Podcast on the Charisma Podcast Network. If you enjoy our content, we would love for you to subscribe and have the opportunity to tune in to future podcasts. You can follow us on all social media platforms at the Influencers Podcast Official. You can stay up to date, hear more inspiring content, and unlock your full potential as an influencer. Remember to use your influence to create lasting change that draws the world closer to Jesus. Jesus.